Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Red, White, and Royal Blue. Red, White, and Royal Blue was written by Casey McQuiston and was published in 2019. And the film adaptation, uh, which premiered on Amazon in 2023, was directed by Matthew Lopez. Here we are talking about uh, transcontinental romance. Sometimes we don't usually think about the order of our episodes, but I always can't help but laugh because like uh, earlier in the year we did uh, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, this sweet little coming of age story, right? Then we did... Uh, let the right one in. A Swedish vampire a horror sweet, movie. Yet it's still kind of coming of age story, but incredibly dark and violent and true, disturbing. True, coming of age. And now we're flipping back into like lighthearted romance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice. I appreciate when we give some variety when we do something kind of extreme. Yeah, for our own sakes, at least. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, if we read too many downers in a row, like I, it really affects me. So it's nice to kind of jump around. We've always said we love kind of jumping around in genre and different types of books that we read for the podcast. So yeah, I am really happy. And since this episode is coming out on Valentine's Day, we did want to do something romance themed. Yeah, it was uh, perfect. I don't know. The only other one I remember <laughs> us releasing on Valentine's Day was Gone Girl. Was Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Which I stand behind. I stand behind it too. That was like, a few years ago. So I feel like it's kind of like however you feel on Valentine's Day. Like yeah. you can listen to our episode on Gone Girl or listen to our episode on Red, White, and Royal Blue. There's so many options. <laughs> there's there's two options. <laughs> uh, this episode, though, was a patron request. Uh, thanks to our patron, Clayton, who requested this episode. Uh, we'll read Clayton's thoughts on the episode towards the end, but uh, yeah. Well, I know you had read the book before and really liked it a lot. I did. I read it probably in 2020. And then when I heard they were making a movie, I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be good. And I know a lot of people watched it and it has a pretty decent approval rating, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get into it because I did really enjoy reading this book uh, when it first came out. And this is kind of my first contemporary romance that I've ever read. And I know you, you read more. Oh, I love contemporary I, romance. You read quite a few, yeah. And I know from talking to you that they can range pretty greatly from being like really silly and fun, which I think you said this is more on that spectrum versus like really steamy and hot. Oh, yes. And yet... They all have the same simplistic little character illustrations. On the cover. On the covers. Yeah, you have no idea how spicy it's going to be just from looking at it at all. Sometimes you're like, oh, this is cute. And then you're reading it and you're like, oh, damn. Oh, my God. Yeah, when you, were, when you explained that to me and then explained, like, how graphic it gets, I'm like, this book? Like, with the two little flat, cute, like, illustrations on the cover? Yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. They need to have, like, a rating system. On the back. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Little like chili peppers, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a Rotten Tomatoes thing where they all get behind it and they'll put it on all of their books. Yeah, yeah. It's spiciness. <laughs> Spice, yes. Let's talk about this story, though. And here we have the first son of the president. So we have the first female president, Ellen Claremont. And this is sort of like an alternate universe of the United States and the UK, where in 2016, Ellen Claremont won the presidency. She's the first female president. She, in the book, is divorced from Oscar Diaz, who 
has Mexican heritage. And so her two adult children, Alex and June, are biracial American and Mexican. They're very connected to their heritage. They both speak Spanish. That's a very important aspect to their family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it is it is very funny, that alternate reality kind of view of it, you know, like, oh, what if kind of Hillary Clinton? I mean, you know, she's not Hillary Clinton, like she's from Texas and everything. But like, you know, just imagining what could have been maybe. Yeah, I feel like this book is very much like what if our world was just slightly better. Yeah. You know, and I was reading the afterward. What if we elected people based on, I don't know, the popular vote (laughs) in the United States? Yeah, so not the Electoral (laughs) College. But I was reading the, like, author's note uh, and papers in the book, and the author was just talking about how she had this idea kind of as the 2016 election was going on. I think just reading some books on politics and just being in the election cycle... But after the results of the 2016 election, and uh, I want to make sure I use the correct pronouns, Casey McQuiston uses they, them pronouns. So they were feeling really, you know, depressed and a lot of despair, as many of us were feeling after Trump was elected. And they kind of had a moment where they had to be like, do, can I still write this book? Yeah. And I think they had to rethink what they wanted out of it. I don't know what the idea was originally, but... I do think what we ended up with is something that is not really like a rewriting of history necessarily. It's yeah. different enough that it's not like, oh, what if Hillary Clinton won? It's more like, oh, what if our world was just a little bit better? I find that interesting when artists kind of have to re-examine their work and not only what they want to say, but how they want it to reflect in the context of the times. Like I think about uh, Jordan Peele in the movie Get Out. And if you know that movie, you know, there's probably like there were two different endings. I mean, an original one. And he decided, like, no, I don't want to go with like the really dark one. Yeah. Kind of, I think, to be a little bit more hopeful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was kind of around the same time, too. Right. So that's interesting to kind of examine. Yeah. So we have Alex and June, who are the first children of the presidency of the White House. Right. And then we also have uh, Nora, who is the granddaughter of the vice president. And together, they're kind of like a trio, right? The White House trio. Yes. And Nora's kind of, I actually got confused at the beginning and thought she was like a third sibling. <laughs> and you had to explain, no, she's the uh, a grand granddaughter of the vice president. But actually, there was like a lot of um, speculation of her and Alex being an item that they kind of like stoke the fire on well they did date for a while they did that's true but Mm -hmm. like continuing to date like people speculate about it so yeah they're more like good friends now but it is fun to kind of rile up the papers and the tabloids yeah um unfortunately though the film (laughs) kills off june yes in just the, has Nora. In the opening scene, June is... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> June just doesn't exist uh, in this version, which to a degree I understand. No, I totally get it. I think it makes sense to winnow it down to just one supporting character. Even in the movie, too, uh, Henry has a sister, Beatrice, but her role is greatly reduced. And her character is very different. It's not, it's very like nothing. Um, so I feel like on both sides of Henry and Alex, we're kind of winnowing down the side characters. Yes. We also in the movie have 
Alex's mom, Ellen, the president, not being divorced. Nope. And so poor Leo, the stepdad, who really doesn't have any part in the book at all, is also killed off. Anytime Leo was mentioned in the book, I was like, who's this again? Who's I'm Leo? Like, oh, right, the stepdad. <laughs> who just kind of like, I do like at one point in the book, he's like focusing on like what the uh, place settings or like the table decorations at some event. Like he's taking on like those uh, first lady type roles, yes, right? And yes. like kind of getting real into that. Uh, But I did like that, too, in the book, how they are kind of a modern family in that way of like their parents are divorced, but they still see each other and they have a stepdad and they kind of still make it work, even if there is tension from time to time. Yeah. And Alex and June are living in the White House with their mom. They have Secret Service detail that we're introduced to as well. We have Cash and Amy, who are the big uh, service Secret service. Secret service. (laughs) The big service. The big service. (laughs) The secret ones. (laughs) Uh, We find out, I think, partway through that Amy is trans, Mm -hmm. right? And is Cash, like, pansexual? Pansexual. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, And then there is also uh, Zahara. Zara. Zara, thank you, Uh, who is, she's a a member of the staff, I forget. Yeah, she's- Secretary of State? No. 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 <laughs> Sorry, what, what is she? I forget. No, she's uh, basically an aide to the president. So, I guess she is more of an aide role, isn't she? That's right. Yeah, like communications or chief of staff or something like that. Chief of staff. I think that's what I was going to say, not yeah. secretary of state. <laughs> They're a little bit she's different. She's secretary of state, but she's still chasing Alex around being yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> the, important, the most important matter of state, Alex. Alex and handling Alex. Um, Alex, though, is a very funny character. He's very like... Kind of self-centered, but, like, I think that's brought up in a lot of humorous moments, right? Where they're, like, like, especially June will kind of, like, bring him down to earth at points and be like, not everything is about you, Alex. (laughs) Yeah, he has a big personality. And he's very charming. And kind of a drama queen. Yes, definitely. They are going to a royal wedding. They have to show up because it's the wedding for the monarchs of the UK, They're going, and this is where Alex is talking to June and Nora and just Nora in the movie about, ugh, my arch nemesis, (laughs) Prince Henry. I was very surprised they were going to go this route in the book, like the the, the enemies to lovers type route. Yeah. Because ultimately, I mean, I think they definitely make it work. But Alex is just like, oh, I hate that prince. He's so (laughs) smug. And oh, I have to see him now. And... (laughs) I know it's very dramatic. It is very much like there's some suspiciousness in how much he hates him immediately. Right. I I think um, at first I thought it was like too much, but then I think it's self referential or self aware about it enough later on to like make a lot of humor out of it. Yeah. And to be like, oh, remember how obsessed you were (laughs) with hating him? (laughs) Like staring at his photo in a magazine with hate? Just seething. Yeah. Getting flushed. (laughs) (laughs) But talking about alternate universe, you know, we also have an alternate royal family from the UK. We have Prince Henry. He's the youngest of three. So his older brother, Prince Philip, is kind of the heir to the throne. He has his sister B in between, and then it's him, so he's the youngest. And we still have, like, a reigning queen in the book, but her name is Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. And then the next in line... The, the King Charles of it all at this point, right, is Henry's mother, Catherine. So she's going to be queen next. And she married a film star 
Who and played James Bond. Who was like a James Bond film So this star. alternate reality goes like way far back, right? To yeah. To like a different James Bond. Mm-hmm. And then obviously had Henry and his siblings. Uh, in the movie, they have a king instead of a queen, but basically the same structure. Also, his mom isn't. Oh, no, isn't in it. No. Yeah. But like, I think still exists, They right? ma- mention her like doing something with elephants. Okay, I don't, I don't remember that <laughs> I'm like, at all. Like, isn't she supposed to be the queen or soon? You know, yeah, like next in line. Yeah. yeah, she's just like not around. But we do know in the film that also that his dad passed away. Yes, and so they're going to the wedding of Philip, who is the heir. He's getting married, and Alex cannot resist poking at Henry after he's had a few drinks. Yes, Alex gets uh, royally drunk <laughs> and kind of approaches Henry, kind of. Being, like, aggressively nice to him at first, you know, like, elbowing him and but then also being, like, super confrontational uh, confrontational and just being a dick. Uh, Henry is just trying to, like, (laughs) please get the fuck away from me. But even he can't take it at a certain moment. He pushes Alex away. Alex grabs onto Henry as he falls and they fall into a. $70,000 wedding cake (laughs) that uh, collapses on both of them. I got to say, this scene in the movie is really good. They did a really good job. (laughs) I was really impressed with like the fall of the cake and like the way it crumbles. Yes, and and how they're covered in it later. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if the cake as it fell was like CGI and then they cut to like real cake chunks that they threw on them. Like, yeah. I, I'm very curious, like, how they did it, but it looks very good. Oh, it's a great shot. It really kind of gives you the impression of how horrible this is. <laughs> and immediately you see the PR fallout of this, right? Yeah. Uh, the U.S.-U.K. relationship is in danger, right? Can I just say, though, real quick, the <laughs> film cuts to the credits here, the oh, opening yeah. credits. With what is that song? I don't give a damn about my reputation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can we retire this song from movies, please? (laughs) Like, this is so early 2000s. It is. Like, Nickelodeon, young teen kind of vibes. (laughs) And I'm like, this is, like, can we not... Can we get rid of this song, please? Yeah, I don't know if it quite fits, although I do really like the opening credits. I think, yeah, the animation and, like, the motion graphics and everything is, like, really good. The song is just, like, so outdated. And maybe that was, like, maybe the point a little bit. I don't know. Um, But I also agree it doesn't really fit because, like... I mean, they do care about their reputations. Yeah, That's deeply. Like a yeah. huge aspect of the whole story. Immediately after this, they go into damage control <laughs> yeah. mode to fix their reputation. They're not really like super rebellious, at least at this point. So I don't even think it fits thematically. Yeah. So to fix this situation, Alex is roped into a PR friendship with Henry that they're going to sell to the media. Alex is going to go over to the UK. They're going to do stuff together. They're going to do charity things be seen in public places together to get their photos taken, etc. Yeah, so Alex goes to the UK. He meets Henry. They're like very cold to one another, <laughs> uh, but they prepare and do this interview on TV trying to like sell this idea that they're friends and kind of that like, oh, this whole thing at the wedding was just like two friends having like a little tiff just maybe. Just bros, Just right? broing down, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but the interview's funny. I like the lead up to it as well, especially in the film where uh, Prince Henry is being like, perfectly groomed and manicured and Alex is just being completely ignored. Yes, I love that too. (laughs) So funny. They also go and do appearances at like a hospital. And during this part, um, there's 
an incident where they think that there's a threat, right? So they're shoved into a broom closet. They hear what sounds like gunshots. Yes. So they're pushed into the closet and oh no, they fall on top of each other <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're like, they can't get off of each other. And this they're is real classic close. romance novel stuff. <laughs> get on board. I can, I can tell. <laughs> uh, but this does give them a moment to like, they're forced to talk to each other and they're kind of being like, like, why do you hate me? You know, uh, Henry asks Alex why he hates him. And Alex tells him about the first time that they met at the Olympics, whatever year the Olympics were for them. I don't know, in the alternate timeline. And he says, like, oh, when I first met you, you turned to your person who you were with and you're like, can we get rid of him or can I get out of here? Something yeah. really rude that Alex heard. And after that, Alex just despised him. Mm-hmm. And that's literally the only thing Henry ever did to him. <laughs> but it was enough to form a grudge in Alex for years. <laughs> but they kind of, you know, Henry acknowledges like, I'm sorry, that was a really dickish thing to do. Like, I was kind of being a dick to everyone at that time. Like, it just wasn't a good time for me. My dad had just died. Yeah. Yeah. So... They kind of reluctantly start seeing good things in each other. And I think Alex is like, oh, maybe I was really stubborn and stupid to be like, I hate him for no reason. Yes. Uh, So before he leaves the UK in the book, he gives Henry his phone number. And in the film, he just gets a random text from Henry. Yeah. That's like, hey, what's up? They start snarkily texting, which I like how this (laughs) starts between them, because like, they are mending things between them, but they st- there's still kind of like this rivalry between them, yeah. right? Because one is like the Prince of England and one is like the first son of the United States. So kind of they're, they're compared a lot in the media. So I feel like there's just some kind of natural competition there. So they're kind of like teasing each other, like dunking on each other over text, stuff like that. Um, but it, even though it starts off that way, they eventually start actually talking about more things together. Yeah, they start opening up a little bit to one another. Alex finds out like, oh, this guy likes Star Wars and uh, like Jane Austen books and like all these things that uh, he was given a like a what portfolio the fact sheet, the fact sheet about Henry before they met. And it was like his favorite author is Charles Dickens and just like all this like bullshit that like isn't even real. And now he's like finding out who the real Henry is. And the film also kind of does this. Um, it, it's a mixed bag. You get the floating uh, text bubbles in yes. space that we can't we can't get away from those, Adina. I know. Here's the thing. Do a voiceover. Yeah, do a voiceover. Like if you do like you do with letters, right? Where yeah. like you're hearing the person's voice as they're reading it. That would be so much better. It would be so simple. And then we don't have to read text on a screen. I, yeah. Like, don't make me read the text, especially <laughs> in like. I hate bubbles. reading. <laughs> Don't make me read. <laughs> but then there's also moments where um, Henry is actually sitting in space uh, near Alex. Right? Yeah, I actually really liked this. Yeah. This is when uh, Alex calls Henry on the phone for the first time because they're just texting a lot. Uh, he has a turkey in his room. It's one of the turkeys that's going to be pardoned on Thanksgiving. I really love The presidential part. pardon. Uh, it's very funny. And he calls Henry. And in the movie, we actually get Henry, like the actor, sitting in the room with Alex, kind of simulating him being there through the phone. I really like this. I did, too. I think sometimes I think earlier on, like when they do the transitions of like someone walks past and then he's gone. Sometimes it was like a little like. You don't have to do that much, right? But I mean, like, in terms of showing them 
growing closer together, right, across like this vast distance, it's a great effect to do. Yeah. Let's talk here for a moment about the casting of the leads in the film. We have Taylor Zakar Perez playing Alex and Nicholas Galitzine playing Henry. I gotta say, they're both pretty hot. I think it works. <sighs> I, unfortunately, I can't, I can't agree, Adina. Oh, no. Because there was one thing that bothered me while watching this movie, and that was, I'm like, they look too old. They do. They were both in their late 20s. Y- yeah. Or so like 30. He, uh, Alex is now 32. Okay. And I think he was at the youngest 30 when they made this movie. Yeah. And uh, Henry, the actor who played Henry, is probably like 27 at the earliest, probably closer to 28. Yeah. And like, especially Alex, I think. Just looks like a grown ass man. I know. Really sharp facial facial features. Like I'm j- absolutely jacked. And the problem is that I think a lot of this movie is this like it's not a coming of age story specifically. Like, but there's elements of that, right? There, like Alex is trying to figure himself out, right? Like, what are his dreams for the future? What does he want to do? Is he being impractical, right? Like, discovering his sexuality. Like, not that you can't do that later in life. But it feels really tied into him just discovering himself in general. Definitely. I, I've heard a lot of people call this category new adult. Okay. Where it's not YA, right? Yeah. you're not really teen, but it's very young in the adult world or you're in college. And in the book, you know, Alex is still in college when the yeah. book starts. He ends up finishing partway through the book. But, you know, they're supposed to be like 23, at the most. I think Alex is like 20 because I think Henry's 23 and Alex is like a little bit younger than yeah, him. Yeah, like 21, 22. Yeah. And I don't know, especially with Alex's character, like he's real snarky. He's kind of sassy. He's kind of self-centered. Right. And it's funny. But watching someone who's 30 doing that, like I kind of lose it. Right. I'm like, I this feels weird. Right. Yeah. Like when I think when they get away from that and it's just like their relationship together. It works really well. Like, I do think they have good chemistry. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought their chemistry was really good. It was. It's just anytime I was reminded of his age. Yeah. Like, at one point later on, he's, like, curled up next to his mom. With his mom? Yeah. And I was like, uh. Yeah. I mean, like, that probably wouldn't even have worked if he was 21. But, like, it's even more cringy that he's, like, a 30-year-old man. Yeah. And him being like, what do I want to do with myself when I grow up? And I'm like, you should already have a career. (laughs) So that's my hot take on it. Like, I think the actors are good. I just think they're too old. Yeah. No, I didn't have a problem with their performances. And like I said, I thought their chemistry was good and um, everything. But I I definitely would agree with you on the age thing. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the campaign going on, because in the story, uh, his president, President Mom. Yes. Is they're entering an election year. I mean, it's always an election year, a presidential <laughs> election year. And so they're doing a lot of campaigning and uh, they're they're determined to take down uh, uh, the the Republican candidate or soon to be candidate Richards. Yes. Yes. Generic Republican candidate. Yeah. Alex really wants to help on the campaign. He has this goal to become like the youngest Congress person ever. He wants to be in politics. He loves it. And he ends up working on his mom's campaign in the book pretty early, like getting involved in all of that. And like, I think it's interesting because throughout the book, he kind of starts to try to figure out what is best for him and what he really wants to do. It's 
almost like he really wants to make a difference no matter what, but trying to decide, like, should I go and run for Congress immediately? Like, is there something, is there some other place where I'm needed? Is there something else that I can, like, push my passion into? The book focuses a lot on Alex's kind of need to, like, keep going like a hundred miles an hour, like to always be reaching for the, this like next thing, the next thing. Achievement oriented. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways it's kind of depicted in like, is this the right path? Like, is this the right thing for you? Are you really thinking things through? Mm -hmm. But he's just so like single minded and has his blinders on. Right. Yeah. And he also has a soft spot for Texas, which is where he grew up, where his family's from. And he has a passion for trying to flip Texas blue or make it purple, whatever. I mean, that's something that people are still talking about now. Right. And I think it's interesting. There's a moment in the book that I really like where he's talking to someone else on the campaign about red states Yeah. And someone is like this person is saying it's a lost cause. Like we shouldn't focus our energy on them because they're always going to be red no matter what. And Alex is very much like there are good people that live in those states and they don't deserve to have us turn their backs on them. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And I know Casey McQuiston is from Louisiana. And so I think they specifically feel like hey, just because these states, you know, usually vote red doesn't mean there aren't people there who don't need to be represented and who don't have needs and who aren't going to vote, right? I mean, that would be so weird to live in a state like that. Like, we live in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is, like, very purple. It's, it's iffy, you know? Like, you really have to turn out and vote. Like, you know, you feel that pressure, right? But if you live in fucking, like, Alabama... And you're a it Democrat. It probably feels hopeless. Oh, I'm sure it does. Like, especially, yeah, with the Electoral College. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, in the book, Alex kind of has this binder of info on Texas. So he's always trying to, like, kind of keep track of what's going on in Texas. The book or the movie kind of takes it a little further and has Alex create a Texas strategy memo. And he's actually trying to get it into his mom's campaign because he wants them to try to flip Texas. I like the movie making more out of this because I kind of thought like, oh, yeah, what did happen with that in the book? And it's kind of yeah, like he doesn't not really, really do anything with it. No. Uh, let's go to New Year's Eve. Yes. The big New Year's Eve party that apparently Alex, June and Nora throw every single year. Yes. Uh, in the film, we get a CGI shot of the White House lawn with like a tent And then the party is taking place within the tent. And it's a pretty small affair, I think, compared to like what you're imagining, right? Yeah. And I think that brings us to a conversation about the production value of this movie. Mm -hmm. Because I was very surprised early on when it began. And I was like, oh, this feels like... They didn't have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a Hallmark movie. It does. Like a good Hallmark movie or like a Netflix Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Like kind of that higher quality. And it's not always bad. Like I thought early on, like the royal wedding was done pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like it's with the cake and everything. But then you get a scene like this and you're like... There's not enough people here. Yeah, there's not enough people. Everything's lit and filmed and it feels like really flat like everything's just really perfectly well lit all the time and there's not a lot of like interesting shots or artistic license with any of it yeah you know i didn't really have a problem too much with the interior sets like i was kind of fine with it anytime we have 
any kind of exterior shot, it looks fake. Oh my God. Yeah. Anytime. We go outside if we, of the yeah, tent. You, you step outside for one moment and it's just, you're like, where the fuck are we? I don't oh, know. It's a soundstage. Yeah. And it looks terrible. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, did you not have, could you not film outside? <laughs> could like, you not find grass? <laughs> <laughs> touch grass, please. Go touch grass. Like, I don't know what it was. I'm like, you can film outside. You know that, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> The 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 scene which transitions outside looks terrible. It just feels like super hallmarky, like low budget. It feels like CGI. Oh yeah, they, like, they, I don't they, feel like I'm looking at anything real. No, and there's a scene earlier with uh, Alex and his dad sitting on the porch of the White House, and they're looking over a beautiful CGI vista of like DC that just looks awful. Yeah, I'm like, we don't need that scene. Why did you do that? No, and it's like, and that's the thing is like this story takes place in the White House and like the royal with the royal family and like their mansions and everything and like parties and like yeah. lots of people. And I'm like, this is an ambitious story to try to tell on like a small budget. Yeah. Um, But it is funny, though, because like I understand like the parallels between like the kind of Christmas movie vibe. Right. I'm like. Well, you know, these kinds of romance stories tend to be very trope heavy, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, and then they fall in the cake together and like they like they fall in love slowly and, you know, it's going to end on a happy note. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I get how similar that is to like the Christmas movie genre kind of. So maybe they thought that they could like get away with like that kind of budget for it. I don't know. I wish they would have invested more in this, right? With yeah. how popular the book was. I know. It deserved more. Like I hadn't watched a trailer for this, I don't think. So when it started, and I think like the first scene is like them in the hallway waiting to greet the prince at the wedding. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like it's like a hallway with like 10 people in it. And I'm like, mm. this doesn't feel like a royal wedding. No, no, it, it it didn't. I mean, when they got inside, it was a little bit better. But like, yeah, I think this movie is hindered by its budget pretty consistently throughout. Yeah, I think they do well enough. But like, I agree. I wish it was like this should be like a crazy rich Asians type production. Yes, right. Yes. With mm-hmm. like. You know, going to somewhere like really extravagant, a lot of luxury. Yeah, right? we're in the palace. Yeah. For God's sake. You a- know? Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we're at the New Year's Eve party. Everybody's getting lit, right? Henry's there. He's brought his friend Pez, uh, Percy in the movie, and Alex has Nora in the movie. It seems like Nora and Percy kind of hit it off in the movie. Yes. They're dancing. Henry's drinking. Henry's even dancing. I love how horrified Henry is when he hears the lyrics to Get Low. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I loved, though, was the moment where literally everyone gets low except for Alex and Henry and they like lock eyes. It was good. I thought that was a great way to like do that kind of cliche moment in a silly way, but in like a new way. Right. Like everyone literally getting low. Uh, I liked that a lot. Uh, eventually Henry kind of, he's watching like Nora and Alex and they're like very like intimate and like kind of coupley, but like as friends and Henry feels weird about it and he leaves. Yeah. In the movie, Alex is just kissing a bunch of women. That's yes. <laughs> yes. Alex goes outside to find Henry in this awful outdoor looking set. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> and he's kind of like, what the, what the fuck's going on? And they kind of start this conversation where Henry starts talking about like, oh, it's not easy for me to date. 
He's like, what do you mean you're a prince? You should be able to get any, anyone. He's like, not the people that I want to get with. And Alex is like, Alex what like, are you talking I'm about? I'm so dumb. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. And Henry just kisses him. Yep. Uh, and then is like, sorry. And then leaves, runs away. <laughs> and Alex is like, oh, shit. <laughs> and here we are. And thus arrives Alex's bi- bisexual crisis. Yes. Right? He is freaking out. This part in the book was so... This was the funniest part in the book to me. Because, <laughs> like, as he's having this, like, crisis, he starts to, like... All these, like, memories and things from his past start to come up that you're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> the fact that this wasn't mentioned earlier is so funny. <laughs> and I see you have your book out and you want to read a little part. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to read the part where he's talking to Nora about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. There's, like, so many parts where he's like, oh, remember when I was, like, hanging out with my one friend and, like, we kind of did, like, very sexual things together Who and he was a man and I thought it was, like, just bros being bros, yeah. right? He's like, I hardly thought about it. And if I was gay, wouldn't I think a lot about getting that hand job for my friend in college? Like, no. Like, I didn't even think about it. So, obviously, I'm straight. It's just so funny. He's literally freaking out. And eventually he talks to Nora. He can't talk to his sister, June, because it it feels too big. And so he talks to Nora. I mean, they dated, right? So he's like, you know that I'm kind of straight, right? Like, what's (laughs) happening? And Nora is so funny. So he tells her that Henry kissed him. And she says, I fucking knew it. She said, still waters, deep dicking. Stop, he groans. (laughs) Prince Henry is a biscuit, Nora says. Let him sop you up. I'm leaving. She throws her head back and cackles. And seriously, Alex has got to get more friends. Did you like it, though? A pause. What, um, he starts, what do you think it would mean if I did? Well, babe, you've been wanting him to dick you down forever, right? (laughs) Alex almost chokes on his tongue. What? Nora looks at him. Oh, shit. Did you not know that either? (laughs) Shit. I didn't mean to, like, tell you. Is it time for this conversation? I, maybe, he says. Um, what? She puts her burrito down on the coffee table and shakes her fingers out like she does when she's about to write a complicated code. Alex suddenly feels intimidated at having her undivided attention. Let me lay out some observations for you, she says. You extrapolate. First, you've been like Draco Malfoy level obsessed with Henry for years. Do not interrupt me. And since the royal wedding, you've gotten his phone number and used it not to set up any appearances, but instead to long distance flirt with him all day, every day. You're constantly making big cow eyes at your phone, and if somebody asks you who you're texting, you act like you got caught watching porn. You know his sleep schedule, he knows your sleep schedule, and you're in a noticeably worse mood if you go a day without talking to him. You spent the entire New Year's Eve party straight up ignoring the who's who of hot people who want to fuck America's most eligible bachelor to literally watch Henry stand next to the croquembouche, and he kissed you with tongue, and you liked it. So objectively, what do you think it means? Alex stares. I mean, he says slowly, I don't know. (laughs) It's it's so funny. Just the way Nora is like almost like coming out, not coming out for him, but like like filling in like a lot of the gaps for him. Yes. That might take him longer to piece together himself where she's like, okay, listen. Yeah. You have always liked Henry. You've been wanting him to dick you down forever. (laughs) He's like, oh, have I? And then there's just so many other moments too. Like, and like, it's kind of a slow 
progression, right? Like, even though there's this big moment here, like, later he'll be like, yeah, I don't think straight people spend so much time trying to convince themselves that they're straight, (laughs) (laughs) as he apparently has been for years. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a really great part. It's very funny. Uh, Probably, I think, the funniest part of the whole book. Very, very funny. Uh, eventually he decides he wants to kiss Henry again. And when Henry arrives at the White House for some kind of function, right, he ends up asking Amy, uh, security detail, if he can get alone with Henry. Yes. So they get alone in the Red Room and Alex just like straight up grabs him and starts kissing him again. They're making out. They're making out furiously. I love I think it's only in the film, Amy, like, walks in on them to tell them. And she's like, oh, (laughs) I love Henry's, like, pulling away from Alex and pretending to be looking at, like, the bookshelf. Yeah, he's like, hmm. (laughs) Very funny. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then Alex is like, meet me in my room later. Yes. And so begins their sexual relationship. It's very cute. They're like, we're definitely just keeping this casual, right? Like, we're chill, right? No big deal. Strictly (laughs) blowjobs. Exactly. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by this, like, setup, though, because I figured more of the book would take place in longer stretches where they're, like, together. Yeah. Like, when Alex first goes uh, to the UK to, like, do this, like, fake friendship with Henry. I thought that was going to be like way longer. He'd be there longer. Yeah. But they, uh, the author just finds like all these like reasons for them to like keep running into each other. And I mean, Mm -hmm. like they're doing it intentionally, obviously, but like, there's just all kinds of like events and trips and like reasons that they keep getting to like see each other and, you know, casually dick each other down, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yes. The polo match in Paris, There's a couple other things that I I can't remember that are in the book, I think. But yeah, I mean, they are keeping it casual, but also being very intimate and talking very deeply about their personal issues, their goals in life. Uh, Henry is not out to his family and feels like he can't be out as part of the royal family. And, you know, Alex is talking about what he wants out of life. It's just they're really they're actively falling in love. It's obvious. I was kind of surprised. I thought going into this book that it would be a split perspective, like it would go back and forth between Alex and Henry. But I do like the way it's told because like Henry's character is kind of interesting because in a lot of ways he seems like very um, he has this facade. Right. And that's what Alex thinks at first. Like he always looks so like uh, he's got this perfect grin and smirk and like. But then he slowly starts opening up and like, I do find like the royal family to be like morbidly fascinating. Absolutely. Like it's so fucked up in so many ways. I know. And like is basically creating like the perfect time bomb of emotional trauma. Yes. For each member. new generation. As, yes. As they like <laughs> grow up. Right. Like in the public eye. Yeah. And I think getting to see a character going through that like, is really interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I read Prince Harry's memoir. Yes. I watched quite a few different, like, docuseries about Harry and Meghan, and I find that aspect of the royal family really interesting, right? Like, the parts that the royal family want to, like, hide, right? Yeah. And, like, the people they want to cast out. And, like, you definitely feel that with this version, right? With Prince Henry, who is gay and feels like he can't come out, right? That there's no avenue for him to be openly gay and still be part of the royal family. Yeah, like, I find these dynamics, like, 
so interesting. It all feels so antiquated and kind of like terrible. Like a couple years ago, I think it was the movie Spencer came out with Kristen Stewart and it was like kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Set in the royal family. And I loved it. No, I loved the vibes. Yeah. Vibes are great. And yeah, I just think it's like such an interesting uh, setup to explore uh, different stories through. Yes. We have a very sweet scene of them having sex for the first time. Um, and yeah, like like we said, their relationship is just like growing and developing. I respect the movie for doing like a straight up sex scene. Yes. Because I think a lot of even in queer movies, they kind of like shy around. That. Yeah, they kind of skirt around like the actual sex of it. Um, which I kind of think is like a problem. It's like, okay, if we're going to normalize this, let's normalize it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I really appreciated that they just had a full sex scene. Uh, the movie kind of shifts gears here and we have Alex, uh, actually starting to campaign like in Texas for his mom. The way that this is kicked off makes no sense to me, but whatever. Like, I think they could have different <laughs> done it differently. There's this character, Miguel, who's like a reporter who Alex has obviously had, and he tells Nora later he had like a sexual encounter with this guy, yes. right? Uh, not a good idea no. to have a sexual relationship with a reporter <laughs> as a member of the White House, but um, he ends up like kind of misquoting or using Alex's quote, out of context and without his permission, printing something about the president focusing on Texas in her reelection strategy. Yeah. And so it's kind of uh, like it's an issue because the president is like, oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And now people are saying that we're going to do it. So now we have to do it or like we have to not do it. And Alex is like, you have to let me do this. I've I've been planning for this for ages. And she's like, "Okay, honey, I trust you. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is such a whiplash, right? Yeah. It would have just been better if he would have pushed that Texas memo that we saw earlier. And then is like, let me campaign in Texas. I think they're trying to, like, kill two birds with one stone by also showing that Miguel is kind of duplicitous and like kind of isn't trustworthy for stuff that happens later, mm-hmm. um, which I have issues with on its own, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, this isn't in the book at all. Uh, Alex just kind of goes on with his life. He is helping on the campaign, but he's not actively in Texas or doing anything related to Texas. I mean, I like the idea of him going to Texas. I do too. And, I think it's a worthwhile addition. Yeah, and being like a part of like a grassroots campaign to like sign people up to register to vote, that sort of thing. So I do like this portion. It's mostly just a montage, but. Yeah, and they use that to do a voiceover of their emails back and forth, which we do get a lot of emails that we are see printed in the book. Yeah, I really like the emails too. And like the content of them really changes as the story goes. Yeah. Um, and something else I love is that they include snippets of real queer love letters yes in their emails back and forth like ones that they found Mm -hmm. and everything yeah i love this connection to history and queer history right a lot of them being political figures from the u.s or the uk um or just like famous people right and this is just really cool i love i love this there's like a sweetness to this absolutely and i love just the reminder of like I, i don't know people like to pretend that like the lgbtq rights movement is like a new thing and people never used to be gay or trans or whatever and then it's like all right here's just volumes of evidence on, <laughs> to the contrary right yeah uh but yeah i like it being tied to their uh emails to each other it's sweet mm-hmm. around this time um the side character in the book 
who Alex kind of looks up to as a mentor, Rafael Luna. He's a senator. He's an independent from Colorado, and he's openly gay, and he's also um, has Mexican heritage. And Alex really looks up to him. He campaigned with him a lot um, in years past, and suddenly Rafael Luna joins the opposition. He joins Richard's campaign. Yeah, which is so, like, what? Like, how is that... How is that pitched? Like, on what platform is he arguing that they align at all? I it, It's such a drastic thing to you happen. You immediately know something's up. Yeah. But also, I'm like, even publicly, how is he justifying this decision, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it really shakes Alex and, like, the whole family. Like, they're all very upset about this. Yeah. This happens right before the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, Um, Obviously, the whole family goes to the DNC, and Alex is just really upset. And Henry happens to be in New York at the same time, and the DNC is happening in New York, and ends up coming to the bar at the hotel where Alex is staying just to, like, check on him because he knows that Alex is really upset. And this ends up being, like, a really sweet moment between them. They go up to his hotel room together. I do want to mention that Miguel is at the bar fucking Miguel. in the movie and sees them together. So yeah, yeah. It's setting up uh, the dominoes that are about to fall later. Uh, we get a really funny scene where Zara uh, goes to wake Alex up in the morning. And of course, Henry is still there. He didn't leave. <laughs> and <laughs> Alex ironically forces Henry into the closet <laughs> And Zara immediately knows someone is in the room that Alex has slept with. And she's like, did they sign an NDA? And is like (laughs) tearing up the room looking for this person. Of course, Henry ends up tumbling out of the closet, like half dressed. And she's like, (laughs) oh, God. Oh, my God. It is just like totally shocked that he is having a sexual relationship with the Prince of England. Yeah. She's like, this is a nightmare. You have to tell your mom immediately. Like, we need to figure out a strategy for this. Um, So Alex does eventually tell his mom about dating Prince Henry, right? And to be fair, his mom is very supportive. She's like, it's great that you have discovered your sexuality. It's great that, like, you've met someone that you like. But she's also like, this could be a problem politically (laughs) for both of our countries. And I just want to read another part from this book because (laughs) I love – this, like, it made me laugh so hard. She's like, okay, thank you for telling me we need to have a meeting now. Suddenly, her phone is in her hand, and she's standing, kicking her. She's standing, kicking her chair under the table. Okay, I'm clearing my schedule for the afternoon. She says, "I need a uh, time to repair some materials. Are you free in an hour? We can reconvene here. I'll order food. Bring uh, your passport and any receipts and relevant documents you have, sugar." She doesn't wait to hear if he's free. Just walks backwards out of the room and disappears into the corridor. The door isn't even finished closing when a notification pops up on his phone: calendar request from mom. 2 p.m. West Wing, first floor, international ethics and sexual identity debrief. (laughs) An hour later, there are several cartons of Chinese food and a PowerPoint queued up. The first slide says, sexual experimentation with foreign monarchs, a gray area. (laughs) Alex wonders if it's too late to swan dive off the roof. Okay, she says when he sits down, in almost exactly the same tone he used on her earlier. Before we start, I, I want to be clear. I love you and support you always. But this is, quite frankly, a logistical and ethical clusterfuck. So we need to make sure we have our ducks in a row, okay? The next slide is titled, Exploring Your Sexuality. Healthy, but does it have to be with the Prince of England? <laughs> 
She apologizes for not having time to come up with better titles. Act- Alex actively wishes for the sweet release of death. The one after is federal funding, travel expenses, booty calls, and you. <laughs> I just love it so much. <laughs> uh, there is like a fun nod to that in the film where uh, the she's like, oh, I wish you had given me more time. I could have prepared like a PowerPoint presentation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mentioned earlier, this is the scene where Alex is kind of like cuddling with his mom. And I'm like, uh. uh and then like, there's a joke where she's like, now, I don't have to tell you that even if it's like uh, anal intercourse you're having, that like you still have to wear a condom, right? And he's like, Mom. And yeah, I'm like, that's like, a 30 oh. year old man. <laughs> uh, we have to talk about Uma Thurman. Uma too. Thurman. I did not recognize her. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I knew it was her immediately. I mean, I knew she was in it. So. I think it's like the Texas accent. And also, I feel like I've not seen her with long hair in a while or like that haircut or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Also, it's funny because like no one else with one exception at the end of the film, no one else in this movie is like a big name. No. So then to just have (laughs) Uma Thurman in it as the president is like, mind-blowing yeah i gotta say i don't like the texas accent i don't i don't know if it's accurate to me it doesn't sound accurate but i also like don't know what a texas accent should sound like i I mean even in the book like her like the lingo and kind of the the y'alls and the sugars even that felt like hokey i know you know so i guess it's in line with that (laughs) yeah just a really great scene though of him coming out to his mom yes it's it's so funny in the book (laughs) i do think i did myself a little bit of a disservice though with this book and that is that I listened to a lot of it and I don't think I mean there are parts that I still was laughing at a lot but I I think a lot of the humor doesn't land as well when it's Mm. like being read to you or at least this maybe it was just the the reader of the book honestly because you're reading those scenes right now is like very funny but (laughs) like I don't know listening to a lot of it like I went back and was just rereading some of their emails together like yesterday yeah I was laughing a lot and I'm like I don't even like remember this (laughs) um so maybe it had to do with my like attention span but I do think like comedy in audiobooks is kind of hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. And I kind of do almost wish I had read this instead of listening to a lot of it. Yeah. Well, because I think you felt the same way about like a Nick Hornby book you listened to. Yeah. Versus reading it. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I really love Nick Hornby. I don't know if that had to do with like the quality of the book or the listening to it. It's it's always hard to say. Yeah. But I mean, I've listened to plenty of books that I've laughed at a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Back to the the story, though, uh, around this time, uh, Alex and Henry, I think, decide it's a good opportunity for a little getaway. Yes. And so they go to a property that they own. In, it's Alex's dad's, I it, think, vacation home. OK, thank you. I always forget, like, where they're actually at. I just know that it's like some kind of vacation home retreat area. Yeah. In Texas, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a fun time. It's a chance for Alex to introduce uh, Henry to his dad. His dad kind of knows about the two of them. They have a really good scene just talking about that together. In the book, we get to see like kind of this whole gang come together. Like we have June and Nora and Alex, and then Henry has his sister B uh, comes, and then his friend Pez Percy comes. So like the the six of them kind of form this group. Yeah, and Alex feels, like, really surrounded by friends and people he can trust. Yeah, and so they're having a great time. Things are great. And Alex starts realizing that he's in love with Henry. He feels happy. He had that conversation with his dad, and he's kind of realizing, 
oh, I need to be up front and need to tell Henry how I feel. Yeah, so when they're swimming at uh, the lake, Alex takes the opportunity just to kind of start to really open up to Henry and really let him know how strongly he feels about him, how much he likes him, and we can feel this building up to, like, and I love you. And I kind of like in the film, you get to just watch Henry's reaction. Yeah, because Alex is behind him. So yeah. you, Alex can't see Henry's face, and Henry is clearly like, oh, shit. Like, you see him just kind of growing distant and kind of, like, staring off and just looking, like, miserable. And before Alex can say, I love you or anything like it, he jumps in the water mm-hmm. and kind of swims off. Yeah. And he he just leaves. He yeah. just leaves the, the house and leaves Alex. Takes off. Uh, Alex is heartbroken. Henry won't answer his calls or texts or anything. He doesn't know what's going on. Ultimately, he decides he's just going to fly to the UK and show up on Henry's doorstep, the palace doorstep. Yes. And be like, let me in, you bitch. <laughs> Very 80s uh, rom-com yes. vibes. Yes. John Cusack with the uh, boombox, yes. you know. Uh, he is let inside and he kind of has this like confrontation with Henry. And I really love the way this plays out because it starts off how you'd expect Henry being like, we can't do this. Like we're fooling ourselves. Like I have responsibilities and like this is only going to get in the way, blah, blah, blah. And Alex is just like, you f- are you fucking listening to yourself? Like you deserve to have what you want and you deserve to be happy. And like, yeah. if you don't want to be happy with me, that's fine, but you have to tell me that because I don't believe you. I just think you don't want to be happy at all. Yeah. And he kind of puts Henry on the spot and is like, I'll go if you tell me to go. Mm-hmm. And of course, Henry can't say it and they end up reconciling. Yeah, it's interesting to see this change in Henry because he really does reach this breaking point where he's like, I have to decide what kind of life I want to lead and what I think I deserve. Right. Yeah. And he tells Alex, like, I want to try. Like, I'm not ready to be out and to have to deal with this yet. But I I do want us to try. I want to have a future with you. Yes. Uh, So they make up. It's really sweet. I like that they didn't prolong this portion of the fight fight and them being broken up. But, you know, they still want to be together. Like, I like that they fix it here. Yeah. Uh, We get a really sweet scene uh, later, too, where Henry takes Alex to this museum Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. And I think... The Victoria and Albert Museum, which I've been to. Oh, you have. Great. Yeah. Firsthand experience. <laughs> it was a cool museum. I Well, and this scene is great because it feels like... It's really the there. Really, the, the place <laughs> that they're actually in. Like, yeah. there's a lot of sculptures. It feels grand and big, and it doesn't feel like a tent that they just put up <laughs> on a soundstage. <laughs> and I think the scene works all the better for that, you know? Yeah, it's very sweet, very romantic, very beautiful in a lot of ways. I am disappointed, though, because... In the film, and I watched uh, this portion in the movie before reading it, but you see, he says something about, like, wanting to dance with someone there, like, always dreaming about it, and you see Alex pulling his phone out, and I'm so annoyed that he didn't play Get Low. (laughs) 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 Like, that would have been so fucking funny, and I know it would have been at the expense of, like, the The sweetness, tenderness of the moment, but, like, it would have landed so well. Very funny, (laughs) yes. Um, So they part, but, you know, they're promising to try to work on things, right? An interesting series of events happens, and it's a little bit different in the book and the movie. In the book... There's some leaked security footage 
of Henry and Alex together at the hotel in New York for the DNC. And some speculation, nothing confirmed that the two of them are together, but like the rumor mills are going, right? And so June ends up kind of taking a bullet for Alex and posting a photo of her and Prince Henry, implying that the two of them are dating. Yeah, and this is like such a sad, difficult decision, I think, because it's like, oh my God, we're like, having to dig our heels in and lie and deny deny, like who we actually are but like we're not ready to come out yet and it's like they're being forced publicly to like make some kind of decision yeah pushed into this hard choice we don't get any of this in the movie i think it makes sense to skip this because pretty soon after they kind of covered up well enough their emails are hacked. Yeah, I, I like the moment of them having to lie, but then it's undone so quickly. Like immediately. Yeah, that I'm kind of like, I felt like we could have last, like, held on that longer or, like, explored that more. Agreed. Um, but yes, then the emails. The emails are leaked. Not her emails. The, not her emails. <laughs> the secret, uh, the, the servers, Adina, the White yeah. House, or the, what, the public servers, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The integrity of the White House email servers. I don't know. <laughs> Um, But yeah, Alex and Henry's emails are leaked. And then there's also a photo of them kissing, I think, in a car. So yeah, it's basically everywhere. And all those like horny and poetic at the same time emails are out there for the world to read. Can you imagine a more embarrassing, horrifying ordeal? No, no. It's (laughs) I know it's it's really sad. It's awful. It's so terrible. So, yeah, they're, like, trying to figure things out. And, like, this, like, both the White House and um, the royal family kind of go into, like, lockdown mode where suddenly, like, Henry's phone is confiscated and he and Alex can't communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And, like, the royal family is pressuring Henry to, like, deny the allegations, but they can't, like, talk to each other. Yeah. Alex is, like, his mom is saying, like, listen... I will support you if that's what you want. But Alex doesn't know what to do because he's not able to talk to Henry. And in the book, he doesn't make any kind of statement until he and Henry are together. The movie kind of shows him giving a press conference and confirming their relationship. And yet we get a scene later when he's with Henry and the king is like, oh, we have to deny this. And I'm like, you just went on national TV confirming it. I don't yes. know why they had that scene in the movie. It makes no do, do sense. Do they want Henry to go out on stage and be like, he, he, wants, he wants this. He, can't, <laughs> he doesn't, he's never gotten it. Yeah, like it's very weird. But in both versions, Alex is like, I need to see Henry. Like I need us to be together. And this is where Zara, who's been this mysterious badass, the whole book and movie, right? Is like, I'm going to get you there. And we find out that she and Sean who is uh, Henry's, like, chief of staff, basically, uh, have been engaged this whole time. <laughs> this, uh, like, I don't know if there was... I'm like, have they even had a scene together in the no, movie? No, It's too out of nowhere <laughs> in the movie, I think. I don't know if it was necessary in the movie. It's very funny in the book. It is. I don't even, like, remember them interacting much in the book either, to be honest, but I guess you could imply more. It's very parent trap, though, right? Yes. With, like, the... the um, <laughs> Butler and the yes. uh, what's her name getting together like uh-huh. in the midst of like everything else. Yeah, I thought that was fine. I think they could have like shown it a bit more though. I mean, I get like hinted maybe. Yeah, I get the reveal is like the funny part, but like I love me a parent trap <laughs> side <laughs> romance, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could have had that. Yes, yeah. Uh, so Alex is able to go 
to England and is able to see Henry. And it's yes. really sweet. I love in the film, like, just the scene of them, like, meeting on the steps and kind of yeah. just holding each other. Because it's so awful. And, like, Henry is being attacked by his family. Like, we knew that the queen slash king and Philip, the older brother, were going to be dicks. But the scene when they're talking with the royal family and Alex is there, oh, it's so bad because we have the king, played by Stephen Fry. yes. Which was very surprising to see him. I know. I was like, oh, my God, is that Stephen Fry? And also great casting because he is an openly gay man in real life. Yeah. And kind of playing this, like, douchey. (laughs) Conservative. Yes, king. Yeah. But we have, you know, the king in the movie and the queen in the book saying, oh, you know how the Russians and the Chinese can hack all our stuff now? This All this evidence was manufactured. And obviously it's all fake And Henry is just like, no, it's not fake. It's real. And then they're like, well, okay, yeah, but we're still not like you're not going to be openly gay. Like we're going to deny. Yes. And, you know, Alex tries chiming in at one point and just gets shut down immediately. So Henry kind of has to like step in, you know, for him. And I, I, I don't know. He's like, why are we doing all this antiquated bullshit? Why do we care about preserving this legacy of the crown when like the world has moved on right, yeah. so much. And like, we are so open about all the atrocities we've committed throughout like human history. And yet we're like, oh my God, nope, none of us can be gay, right? It's just like a total bash fest on like the royal family and yes. the idea of it. I said in the book or the movie where he says something about like, we had Nazis in our family. <laughs> oh, yes. I think that was yeah, in the book. Um, he's like, he was talking about abdicating. Yeah. Um, From the royal succession line. Yes. And he's like, well, someone abdicated for being a Nazi. So it certainly (laughs) wouldn't be the worst reason that we've ever had for someone to abdicate. Yes. Yeah, I loved that part. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a really good scene. And I think it's interesting how in the book we actually have Henry's mom showing up in this scene and supporting him. And we've heard about how in the book, you know, Henry's mom, after the loss of the dad, really kind of withdrew into herself, was not really there for her kids and let her mom, the queen, kind of run everything. And in this moment, she's kind of realizing that, hey, her son needs her, right? Like, and she's standing up for him. I love that the queen is still not moved after everything that they're like (laughs) arguing against. And then Catherine, Henry's mom, is like, listen, what if I tell parliament that you're going senile? And we have to make me queen next. Like, I'll do it, bitch. Like, she, like, just threatens the queen directly. And then the queen is like, I mean, maybe we can make this work. <laughs> look, look, look. Let's not rush to conclusions. We can find some kind of compromise, right? Uh, but there's a really significant moment, though, during all of this when Henry and Alex are kind of alerted to what's going on outside of the palace and they go to the windows and they were like specifically brought to the palace through like the back doors. So they haven't seen outside and they look outside and there's just a crowd of support. Yeah. Like waving pride flags like there for Henry and Alex Mm -hmm. like and it's so sweet and so touching. And I wish we got more in the film than just like a CGI reflection of a crowd on a window. I know. I'm like, they're not even going to show up. Like, it's just a fake crowd. Like, they're. I know. It's Ugh. so frustrating. But like, it's such a touching moment and so sweet and like hopeful, right? And this is something I actually really like about the idea of their emails being leaked. Yeah. And that is like, yes, on one hand, it's like terrible. Nobody should be forced to like go through that, right? 
But comparing this to like the emails that they've sent to each other with snippets of letters from history. Yeah. It's like so many love letters throughout history of queer romances have come out, right? Because the letters were held onto and they've been preserved, right? And people can like look back on them. Mm -hmm. But now with emails, in some ways, it's like, well, you kind of lose that. And not that anyone should have to be forced to keep all their emails forever. Well, no, or like have them become public while they're still alive and like very young, right? Like that's like, once they're dead, like that's fine. But like, (laughs) there's still kind of a sweetness to their romance, their emails, and their letters to each other kind of becoming part of this longer narrative that they've been, like, paying tribute to. This queer conversation through the years and through history. Yeah, and I really liked that idea of uh, it kind of coming full circle in that way. Yeah, it's so sweet. I mean, these moments, like, really touched me when I was reading it. Yeah. Them seeing all the support that they were receiving from America and the UK. And this kind of inspires them, and the queen slash king finally relent, and they're able to come out publicly and say that they're together we also get some info about who maybe leaked the emails um in the book nora is the one that kind of figures it out and realizes that the richards campaign actually was behind all of it and rafael luna the independent senator who kind of turned on alex and his family to join this campaign was kind of joining so he could find dirt on this guy Yeah, because Luna had a history, like, working on Richard's campaign or working with Richard's when he was young and being uh, abused by Richard's. And he is, like, very traumatized by this and has kind of, like, made a vow to, like... Take him down? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it works. I don't think it works either. (laughs) Like, I just don't see a world where, like, this man has this vendetta where he's willing to like throw away tank his, seat? his entire political career to like be a secret agent, you know? And also like, would he be able to find anything out just by like joining the Richards campaign? Like, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't buy that it would work. I didn't buy that he would do it. And like, what does he do now? I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't quite work for me either. In the movie, it's Miguel. And there's no information on how this low-level reporter (laughs) was able to hack the White House email servers. Like, come on. Yeah, I also don't know if I like a queer character in this story. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm an ally. I believe (laughs) queer people can do anything they want. Including be villains. Even being shitty people (laughs) and villains. Like, I'm not against the idea. But I just, I don't know. It felt like kind of weird you know yeah i don't know i think they wanted to i think they wanted to combine two characters like the character from alex's past who he like kind of had a relationship with and also this kind of like villainous reporter character i think they were just like why don't we fold those together yeah which in some ways makes sense but also i just don't think it totally worked no i think in both versions i'm not sold on the like person behind the hacking situation no and it makes way more sense for it to be the political opposition yeah absolutely because in watergate come on uh, ab- yes <laughs> and in the film i don't know they're just republicans so i guess they're just i mean like yeah they're the villains but like <laughs> i think you could give them like more shittiness right oh yeah it's like believable. the book does yeah yeah, yeah I absolutely bu- i buy it <laughs> uh but it's it's election night baby yes uh we've got the the map of states they're all red and blue and there's numbers and everyone 
everyone relearns what the electoral college is and how it all works. And yep. It's it's a nightmare. It's not great, Ian. Um, and it's coming down to the wire, despite the fact that this man interfered uh, with the White House servers and was hacking. He's still somehow on the path to the presidency. Feels very relevant to right now. Someone who <laughs> is facing criminal charges, multiple criminal <sighs> charges. Anyway, I'm not going to bring no, us down. Yep. I'm not going to bring us down. And you know what? It all comes down to Texas in this fictional 2020 election. Yes. Uh, and it's like down to the wire and like Texas hasn't been blue since like, uh, what, like 70s, something like that. Uh, so they're like holding out hope. The numbers are close, but they don't want to, uh, be disappointed. The mom is working on her concession speech and, uh, but of course, no big shocker. Texas is flipped blue. Yes. President mom is going to have a second term (laughs) and everyone gets to celebrate and be happy. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was tearing up in this scene. Really? Yeah. Just reading about like feeling like the world can change. Yeah. And that they were they won and everything. And I was like, this is so beautiful because it is our world, but like slightly better. Like I said, yeah. it was like the moment where they saw all the support that they had that rally outside See, the palace. I think that moment for me, was a lot more impactful. So by the time we're doing, like, the election thing, yeah, I felt, like, less... I, I got less out of it. Especially, like, you know that she's gonna win. Yeah. Like, it doesn't surprise you as much, like, the the crowd outside of the palace, right? Um, and also, like, nothing else, like, personal is going on at that point. It's, like, just the election. But, I mean, like, like you said, like, it's very representative of, like, it's hopeful that, like, Texas can be blue and support... Uh, a female president with a queer son, a queer son who's dating the prince yes. of England. <laughs> I want this world. I, I'm going to come out and say it. I know. <laughs> I, I want to shift into this parallel reality. I yes. would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, that wraps up the story, though. So we're here at the eternal question, Ian, which is better. I feel pretty confident in saying the book. Definitely. In this one. The book is so good. I loved rereading this. It's so funny. It's so romantic. Uh, it's heartwarming in the perfect way. I mean, I just love it. Yeah, it was very good. It was very funny. I think it was a great first contemporary romance to read. And, yeah. And I want to clarify, too, that, like, when I said earlier that, like, the listening to it wasn't as good as reading it, like, I still think that's probably true, but I still really did enjoy, like, listening to it as well and just getting the story as a whole. And there's still plenty of, like, funny moments and things that, like, I really enjoyed out of it. Yeah. And, uh, like, despite how absurd the premise is, like, it sells you on it, like, very quickly. I know, you just accept it. Yes, and I actually, I just really liked, as I said before, Henry's story and this idea of, like, the royal family Mm -hmm. and how constricting that is. Like, that was the most compelling part to me in a lot of ways, like, more so than, like, Alex's role, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also understand, like, having the outsider perspective to Henry's character. Like, not getting his own thoughts on it, but discovering it slowly. Yeah, no, and I I think the movie is good. I think it does okay. Yeah. And a lot of the choices they make for adapting make sense, and I'm not mad about them. But, I mean, the production value is just not great, right? And we have the older leads, and... Even though the movie is funny and there's funny moments, there you just cannot capture the humor of this book. No, and that's something that, like, I'm thinking about is, like, yeah, I kind of wanted more out of this movie, but I also don't know 
what direction like i wish there was a better production value out of it but like it does like the humor of the book if you adapt it directly it does feel kind of christmas hallmark movie in some ways right like the it's it's very trope heavy and like the banter is kind of like witty and sharp and everything and like it's cliche in a lot of ways but like it works when you're reading it but i think if you put it to the screen i don't know if it works as well i mean i would even argue that i don't know if you can make a good like genuine feeling contemporary romance adaptation that's what i'm wondering yeah like, i don't know if it's possible i mean i i'm willing to be proven wrong absolutely i just feel like because hallmark movies exist like it ruins it yeah and like but maybe- contemporary romance are not hallmark movies at all i mean some of them are i'm sure but like it's just so hard i think to capture what makes certain stories and writing styles unique in a movie format that's like heavy on the romance. One, the irony is we're comparing it to Hallmark movies, which are traditionally very uh, conservative and traditional. Whereas like a lot of contemporary romance is like very queer, very explicit with its like sex and uh, sexuality and things like that. So like, it feels very unfair to compare them in that way. But like, I just think vibes of thinking about how that, translates visually into the screen into a script yeah like that is kind of the closest thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. and i i don't know how you kind of like get out of that yeah if anyone has some thoughts on how to fix this problem or if there's like a similar movie that you think has vibes like this you know that is successful and that people like i'd love to to hear about it i can't think of one off the top of my head but yeah um it's definitely the book from both of us. Yes. Uh, because the book is amazing. We love it. The book is great. <laughs> okay, so now that we have shared our thoughts on the book and movie combo, I'm going to read Clayton's thoughts, our patron. So Clayton says, I adored this movie when it first came out. I thought it was so cute. This was my initial five-star review I gave it on Letterboxd. Is this necessarily a five-star film? Not quite. But I'm a sucker for a rom-com, and this one made me very happy and horny. I love that we're getting movies like this now. The two leads, I would let ruin my life. Uma's accent was so funny. My biggest complaint was that Rachel Hilson wasn't in it nearly enough. I just really love this a lot. I laughed very hard. I cried. And like all great romance movies, made me feel very wistful about past loves. I feel like I'll throw this one, throw this one on a lot. Then I read the book because a fellow podcaster across the pond wanted us to read the book and cover them as a fun American-English collab. Oh boy, did my opinion change. I watched it once after reading the book and dropped it to a 2.5. While I still found it very cute, the changes made from the source material made me so sad and frustrated. How could they leave the sister out? (laughs) I still really enjoyed it. It's so cute and Uma's accent is so strange, although the film is far too clean. This barely constitutes an R rating. Come on. Overall, I love the representation. Us gays need our silly Hallmark rom-coms, too. I hope you both enjoy reading, watching, talking about this. I think you'll have a great time. The book is better. (laughs) (laughs) And then P.S. I tried Jaffa cakes and had them sent from England to see what Prince Harry was always eating. Wouldn't recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Great book review. Great Jaffa cake review. Yes. (laughs) I forgot this was R rated. Yeah. I know. Do they For even, what? Do they even like swear in it? No, I think it's just the implication it's just of gay sex. The sex scene? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, that's kind of sad. 
But no, thank you, uh, Clayton, for recommending this and for giving us your thoughts on uh, the book and the film. Yes. So fun to do. Um, So let's do a lightning round. Let's get into lightning. So first up for lightning round, I just need to read this part from the book. It's very funny. June is talking and she said... Oh my God, Ronan Farrow tweeted about my essay for New York Magazine, and we totally engaged in witty Twitter repartee. Part one of my long game to force him to be my friend is underway. Don't act like this isn't part of your extra long game of abusing your position to murder Woody Allen and make it look like an accident, (laughs) Alex says. He's just so frail. It'd only take one good push. (laughs) I agree, June. I agree. (laughs) That's great. Um, I wanted to mention, we kind of only briefly mentioned it, but there's a scene when um, Alex goes to Paris to see Henry playing polo. And Alex is like watching Henry like on his horse in like his tall leather boots and like the 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 whole whole outfit. And he's like, (laughs) I am really into this. And he like <laughs> takes Henry aside and they like go away. And Henry's like, do you want me to like take some of this off? He's like, no. <laughs> Leave all of it on. <laughs> this is really working for yes. me. <laughs> I love how quickly Alex is just like, oh, I'm bisexual. Oh, I'm really bisexual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dig me down. <laughs> Dig me down. Uh, next, I have to read another part of this book because it is literally just so funny. And this is something that Ian and I have talked about amongst ourselves. So reading it, I was like, wow, somehow Casey McQuiston is on the same wing- wavelength as we are. This is a scene where uh, Alex and Henry are talking on the phone together. So you like Bake Off, huh? It's just so soothing, Henry says. Everything's all pastel colored and the music is so relaxing and everyone's so lovely to one another. And you learn so much about different types of biscuits, Alex. So much. (laughs) When the world seems awful, such as when you're trapped in a great turkey calamity, you can put it on and vanish into biscuit land. American cooking competition shows are nothing like that. They're all sweaty and like dramatic death music and intense camera cuts, Alex said. Bake Off makes Chop to look like the fucking Manson tapes. (laughs) (laughs) And Ian and I are always talking about this. I will go on record and say that England's greatest export is its television. Yes. Great between that and Taskmaster. (laughs) Yes. I mean, come on. I love Bake Off. So good. Yes. Superior cooking shows, in my opinion. Well, baking, I guess. Uh, finally for lightning round, we forgot, we didn't mention the very, very ending moment. Like after the election is won, oh. uh, Alex is like, I want to show you something. Cause this whole story, he's had a key around his neck, uh, that is the key to like the house that he grew up in, in Austin. And he takes Henry there. And in the film, they just appear riding bikes in the book. It's kind of explained where they got them from, but they're just riding their bikes down this street towards the house. And it took me a moment, but I'm like, I'm not sure I believe that Henry knows how to ride a bike. (laughs) I don't I just don't see where the royal family would have thought it was necessary. Like horse riding lessons and all that. Absolutely. A bike. I don't know. I don't think they would ever like find the, the use for riding a bike. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Do the royal family members in real life, do they know how to ride? I think this is a great rumor to start yes like someone can't read yes absolutely <laughs> like saying someone can't read i don't think the royal family i don't think any of them know how to ride a bike let's start this rumor <laughs> until we're proven wrong and we see them on bikes or there's probably photos of them with riding bikes somewhere or every photo that you present to me i'll just say is ai generated 
and I'll refuse any and all evidence to the contrary. I love this. Uh, that's it for lightning round. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for, to Clayton for recommending this episode. It was a great book and movie adaptation to discuss. Yeah, we really love doing it. Um, if you would like to support our podcast, you can become a patron over on Patreon. You can suggest episodes like Clayton did. Um, we do patron requested episodes all the time. And you also have access to our Discord server where we're constantly discussing all things books, movies, podcasts, all that stuff. Um, and then you also get a monthly bonus episode as well. Yes. Uh, if you can't support us on Patreon, though, uh, giving us a positive star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is super helpful and appreciated. You can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find all those social links at coveredcredits.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.